and it's very, uh, I don't know, just makes our hearts very happy to see, well, you guys aren't like brand new, but you know, got the whole family this time and yeah, got, awesome. got some visitors. So, <laughs> you know, our heart, Tammy and I, our heart is just that everyone who comes in, whether it's your first time or you've been here for a while, that you just make yourself at home. We're very, as you can tell, we're very non-fussy. We're not very polished and, uh, you know, we don't have a strict order of service that we follow. But one thing we do, one thing we do is we love Jesus. We love the Lord Jesus and we love his presence. And our, our view of Christianity is it is all about you and, and me, all of us, having our own personal relationship with the Lord. Obviously, it's personal. It's between you and him first. And then when we come together in, in our gatherings, when we do church, you know, if you didn't know this, a church is not a building. It's people. So we are the church, and when we come together as a group of believers, an expression of the body of Christ as the church, we just anticipate the presence of God coming in a way that's stronger and deeper than when we're just by ourselves. You know, you can have a powerful Holy Spirit moment. Um, some of us have some testimonies. We won't ask you to repeat those testimonies, but some of you have testimonies. We have testimonies of encounters with the Lord, you know. And I, I do personally believe that all of us were born to have count encounters with, with God every day if you choose to. If you choose to go after him and spend time with him, you can have a personal encounter with God on a daily basis, multiple times a day. Um, as a mailman, I encounter his presence just being in my postal truck and putting on some worship music in my little earbuds and delivering mail and just singing to the Lord. I feel his presence come upon me. So when we come together in church, so this gathering tonight, our anticipation is that each one of us who carries the presence of God with us and, and in us, that we are like a gateway, we're like a, a pipeline for the presence of God to come through. And so how much more powerful when we come together as a church and we, we individually begin to release the presence of God through our worship and through our, our giving thanks and praise to him, his presence just begins to, to pour out of the gates, so to speak. Um, so that's our, our heart tonight, is that we would just experience his presence, his tangible presence. Uh, we we want to hear his voice, so we would encourage all of us that, you know, just, just be open to hearing the voice of God for yourself tonight, whether that's in worship or, or as some, maybe some ministry takes place this evening or through the teaching of the word. Um, the word of God is going to be the, the most important way for you to hear God's voice his word of God, the word of God is true, it's accurate, it's our plumb line for, for every other uh, way that we hear God's voice, whether someone speaks prophetically and gives an utterance from the Holy Spirit, we, we weigh all of that through the written word of God, so, so we place a high value on God's written word. Everybody good so far? You guys okay? We're going to get this going here, if I can remember where my little app is to control this presentation there we go yep and it's faithful it's gonna pop right up there there we go we are in luck 
no, it's not luck, but you know, whatever. I don't need to get technical with words, right? Okay. You guys good? Yep. Are you good? Okay, I'm good. So, hey, just a quick announcement. Um, this Wednesday, beginning this Wednesday, we're going to start our eight-week course. And it is, uh, we've been promoting it for several weeks now. It's Chris Valatin's basic training in the for the prophetic ministry. So I'm going to just play a little promo video, and then I'll, I'll extend the invitation one more time. It's not going to be blasting. I controlled the volume on it through my handy-dandy little iPhone. Here we go. Prophecy doesn't just call out the future in somebody, it has the ability to transform them back into the person they were called to be. And that's our job. This is your mission if you should receive it, that we'd find treasures, hidden treasures, in secret places of darkness. We would call out those treasures and it would transform people back to the person that they were called to be so that they could fulfill their calling and their destiny and touch the earth with the kingdom of God. weeks instead of the big price tag one so just want to bring this back to a final I guess invitation I maybe not necessarily final but you know initially we, we promoted this with the pricing of the books and and honestly the the material that we ask people to purchase is really it is optional um, anyone who's a, a part of Legacy City Church we want to invite you we want you to feel that it's your privileged to come here to this class without having to buy the book. So if buying books is something that you just don't feel financially you want to invest money in, we're fine with that. You know, more than anything, we would just love to welcome any one of you and anyone that wants to come to this to really come and, and receive this training time. You know, Tammy and I, we have such a high value in our own lives, in our own calling from God on the prophetic. Um, it was a prophetic word that that created what we're sitting in right now. This building didn't create this building, of course, but but it, it called the calling to plant a church came to us through a prophetic word, and it was a it was a thing inside of our hearts that God had placed, and it took a prophet, someone flowing in the prophetic, to call it out of us, and so when that was called out, it was just a big yes and amen inside of our hearts. So. So we place this value on it. We believe that God speaks to each one of us individually. He's, he speaks to us by the Holy Spirit. Um, you can hear the voice of God, and this training curriculum is an opportunity for all of us to grow together in learning how to hear God more clearly um, and how to prophesy, how to hear his voice, not only for yourself, but to give prophetic words to people that you might come in contact with even in the public, possibly someone that doesn't yet know Jesus. I'm pretty sure that the Bible tells us that the thoughts God has for us outnumber the sands, the, the grains of sand on the seashore. So if his thoughts towards human beings on the earth outnumber the sand on the seashore, you can't count the grains of sand, right? That tells me that his thoughts towards you and me are constantly, constantly coming. Yeah. And so for us to be able to to learn how to hear him is quite an adventure. It is a fun adventure. And, and as you unlock 
your own personal abilities to hear him, it will, it will project you in your walk with God in such a, an awesome direction and fire. I say fire because it's his heart that you and I would just burn with passion for him and to hear his voice and then know him intimately. So you're invited. Wednesday night, 6.30, we're going to be here. The door will be unlocked, and uh, we'll jump right on in. I do not. No. Lots? <clears throat> well, she's a prophet, so. <laughs> I bet she does clap. But, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. I'm just jo- really joking cool. a little bit, but yeah. No, I just think it's an interesting time yeah. to be going through yeah, this. Yeah. It's just confirmation. That yeah, it, it does. Right yeah, it feels, feels like we're right on target with this. So. Yeah. And if you do want to, to buy the books, <clears throat> we have a, a few of the, the small book, which is basically Chris's teaching condensed down into one book. There are a couple of the manuals that it's like daily activities. You, know. you can find all that stuff yourself on, on uh, Amazon or eBay or you know, Christian book distributor, however you want to try to find that if you are interested in those materials. And the Kindle for 99 cents. That's right. Talk to Barbara if you want to <laughs> figure out how to do that. So, awesome. So, we also have Thursday evenings, 7 p.m., we have corporate prayer. It's a little bit different. It's, it's, uh, we just worship for about 10 minutes, and then we press on into God's presence, and we just let him lead us spontaneously through prayer. We pray for ourselves, our church, um, our government, our city. The, the list just goes on and on. We pray for however God leads us to pray. Um, so, you're welcome to join us for that. Otherwise, why don't you guys stand up? We stand up, and it's up to you later on if you want to sit back down, but this just helps us to prepare ourselves for worship. So I thought it's been a little while since we opened up our worship time with a a reading of a declaration. If you don't know what that is, that's when we read what's on the screen out loud together. You guys ready? Ready to do this? Oh, that's... How about if we just stand back? They're all standing and we're sitting. I don't want to be sitting and then you guys are like, we're going to just, we don't want to block the screens. Okay, so here we go. You guys ready for this? This is good. Before we do it, the word of God tells us that life and death, the power of life and death is in the tongue. We, again, we place as a church a high value on understanding the power of your words. The word of God tells us that your tongue is like a little rudder on a ship. It can steer the boat in all kinds of directions. Your words are powerful. So here we go. Let's read this together. I am powerful, and what I believe changes the world. So today, I declare that God is in a good mood. He loves me all the time. Nothing can separate me from his love. Jesus' blood paid for everything. I will tell nations of what he has done. I am important. How he made me is amazing. I was destined for, excuse me, designed for worship. My mouth establishes praise to silence the enemy. Everywhere I go becomes a perfect health zone. And with God, Nothing is impossible. 
So, Lord Jesus, this evening, we just come before your throne of grace to receive your mercy, to receive your grace, and to be empowered by your spirit as we lift high praises to you. Jesus, tonight, we just want to lavish worship on you. We want to give you thanks and praise because we know that you are good. And all of those things we just read out and declared, we know it's true that you are good, that your blood has paid for everything. And we just want to worship you. We want to silence the enemy with our praise tonight. So we fix our eyes on you. We lift up our hearts to you. We begin this worship tonight by giving our bodies to you as living sacrifices. We thank you, Lord. And we just welcome your Holy Spirit to come and have your way in our worship and in our gathering. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for your heartbeat in this place. We thank you, Heavenly Father, because you have chosen us tonight, Lord. Oh God, we love you. We adore you, Heavenly Father. May you bless each and every one that has come out tonight, Lord, with your grace and your mercy. Lord, this is what it's all about. The world is outside, and we're in here worshiping the King of Kings. And we just love you tonight, Father. We adore you because of not just all of what you've done for us, Lord, but for laying down your life at Calvary for us. So, Lord, tonight, bless each one. Bless our pastor and his wife as they preach the gospel tonight, Lord. Holy Spirit, direct them. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name. Yes, Father, we adore you tonight, Father God. God, we thank you, God, for dying on the cross for us. God, that we can just lay everything down before you, God. God, we just want to bless you tonight. Don't stop worshiping, okay? Let's just remain in this, this place of adoration. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here. We welcome you into this place, comforter. I know you've come tonight to comfort, to release your comfort. I just feel like tonight as we are worshiping him and even right now as your eyes are still fixed on him fixed on Jesus your savior your king your great high priest that he's releasing he's pouring out his spirit right now and holy spirit is coming up behind I just feel the words of him coming up behind you I was sensing his presence during worship like a like a blanket coming over my shoulders. I, I feel like he's saying he wants to be your protector. Will you, will you trust him? Will you fall back into his comfort and let him be your protector? I believe he's saying, I wanna be your rear guard. I wanna be the one who has your back. I've got your back. Trust me. 
So Holy Spirit, we just welcome you to come in. That you would release that comfort. You would release that protection, that deep sense of your protection, that you have our backs. Whether it's the future of our own lives, of our health, of our finances, of our family, or the future of our, our city, our state, our nation. We trust in you, Lord. We, we rest in you tonight. We, we choose, we make the choice to rest in you. We find our place of rest in the comfort and the faithfulness of your presence. We thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. I just heard the word of the Lord come in Proverbs 3, 5. Say, trust in him with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding, but acknowledge him. Let him know everything that you planned. Let him know everything. Even when you go grocery shopping, acknowledge him. And he says, I will direct your path. I will make your path perfect. I will make your path perfect. It's only God can do. And as we were praising, I don't know if anybody else felt this, but it felt like coals of fire upon my head. And my hands were so uncomfortably burning that uh, I had to kind of shake it and I'm still doing it. But if anybody feels that, the power of the Lord is in this place. And he wants you to experience that. We know the word says so in Acts 2, that the Holy Spirit came upon them, and it was like cloven fires upon their heads. And that's what I felt tonight as we were worshiping. And he gave me a word for each and every one of you tonight. And that was the word to trust in him. And he said, uh, and I felt burdens very heavy burdens. You came in here with burdens, but God says to you, you won't leave with that same burden. He said, I lift that burden off of you right now. Receive it. There is more than one here that is in one accord. There is more than two or three or four or five that are in one accord right now. As you worship the Lord, as you worship the Father, he came in this place. He was standing right here in the middle. I just wish somebody would stand up and say, yes, I saw him or I felt him right here in the middle. I don't want to be the only one, but I know somebody else did. Who, raise your hand, who knew that? Who knew God was right, Jesus was standing right here in the middle, right? We shouldn't be ashamed, but we should just rejoice when he shows us these things. And so he's speaking about people that need healing in their body. And he said, don't be afraid and don't be ashamed to come up because he said, tonight I am going to heal you. There's people that have digestive problems, he says, in their digestive uh, system, stomach problems that's going on, breathing problems, sinuses that need to be drained, ear problems, the Lord says, joint problems. If that's any, anyone here 
Remember, you can always come up here and, and, and get prayer. I mean, tonight is a night that he wants uh, hands laid on you. But you need to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Because he is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the great God. He is the one that heals you. He is the Jehovah Rapha that heals you. And he wants to do it for you tonight. Do you want to go back out there broken? No. You're going to go out rejoicing in the Lord. And this is the prophetic. This is the prophetic uh, church. I've always known that. And he's raising up the prophets and the, prophet, the ones that prophesy and others. And others in the fivefold ministry and some that are in different areas. But we will all prophesy. We will all minister. We will all speak of the word of God and tell people about Jesus Christ, who is Lord, Savior, and our everlasting King. We will all do that. I prophesy that in this place, that no one will be ashamed, that there will be no fear. Fear is gone. There is no word fear in this place. There is no word called fear in this place. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, come. Fall on your people right now, Lord. Rain, rain, rain. Lord, you are standing right here, and you still are standing, Lord. As we worship your name, as we called out your name, Jesus, you knew us. You knew what was in our hearts. You knew what we needed. And you're here, Lord, as our supplier to meet all of our needs. All of our needs. There are financial needs here. Been struggling for a month or two months or even three months. Didn't know what to do. The Lord is here to rescue you. He has a big bank in heaven. There's nothing that our God can't do. He has a huge bank in heaven. Just come and ask him. Don't be afraid. What is your name? Um, Rachel's husband? Huh? Ed. No, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm pointing there, but at you. Uh, the Lord is speaking about you being a warrior in his kingdom. You are a warrior in his kingdom. That's what he's saying. He's saying, as you would seek my word, as you would seek my word, he's going to speak things, revelations to you from his word that you've never, ever experienced before. This is a supernatural layers coming out. Whatever book you read, the Lord says, I am going to speak to you in my word because you are my warrior. So, you do. Yeah. Yeah, because he said you're a warrior, and you're going to stand. You're going to stand. People may fall beside you, but you're going to still stand. You're going to stand on the word of God. You're going to preach the word of God because the word's going to just flow out of your mouth. He said you won't be afraid what to say. You will speak it out. He gives you wisdom, knowledge, understanding. Amen. Yes, and you're going to speak it to people, and they're, they're going to be drawn to you. Because you're a warrior for God. 
Amen? You receive it? <laughs> you receive that word? You're a warrior. Amen? And, and, and it's not just, just a label. It's not just a title. No, it's something supernatural. Not, not everybody are really great warriors in the Lord. You have to take the slaps and the falls. You know, great warriors do that. But they become strong in the Lord in the power of his might, not our own might. But that's what the Lord says to you. And he said, I'll bless you through this time of transitioning. He's going to transition you from glory to glory to glory. Amen. Amen. Even more. Even more. There's so much God has that we can't even imagine that he has for each and every one of us. But he says, trust in him. And, and, and don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to receive. A lot of people are afraid to receive from the Lord. But he said tonight, don't be afraid. So I called out those things. I did what God told me to do. And it's up to you to come up and uh, get prayed for, for any, anything, even if I didn't call it. Even if I didn't. Amen. Hey, Ethan. Take all night right here, but yep. um, yeah, just, just line up next to <laughs> Okay, so uh, I'll just say it for you then. Um, don't mean to like eyeball anyone in particular, but if you want to open up your your prayer language, speaking in tongues, praying in tongues, singing in the spirit. Um, we want to welcome you to come up here too, and we won't make you do anything in front of everyone to, you know, see if it if it took or not. But we just want to we'll just want to pray. So if that's your heart's desire that you would, God would release that spiritual language in your heart, then then. Uh, so yeah, and then so if this is everyone who's receiving prayer, I'd like to ask prayer warriors in the room to come up behind them and just lay hands on them and and we're gonna we're just gonna take a little bit of time here and, and uh, pray the rest of you just, just pray if you would just take a moment here and pray I don't know if the rest of you guys heard that Tammy does not know this young man. We, we know Tao, but we have never met her son. And she got, the, well, maybe, okay, once. But she got music and creativity and that his music would just share it. Real quick. I just feel like God's going to take his music and make it big, and he's going to be using it for breakthrough and, um, and freedom for people. So, yeah. yeah. And what we didn't know is that how brought him here tonight just fresh from a session of recording so recording a recording session
So just just hold tight, guys, unless you have to go, but the night's only beginning. So the, the Lord's not done yet. The Lord is not done yet. I really felt like when Val was, uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll put a pause on, hey, you guys, you guys take care. We're so glad you came and, and pressed, pressed through this far. Yeah, bless you guys. We just speak blessing as they're going. We just declare fire of heaven, blessing, in a tangible presence of God, just flood their, their car on the way home in Jesus' name. Bye, you guys. So, as Val was was giving you the word of a warrior, I know that that we've we've hit you before, Rachel, with a word. I just I really felt like the Lord was saying that that what He's doing in your life is He is He is restoring a masterpiece. Now, you may not have ever felt like your life is a masterpiece in the hands of the Master, but I I I felt like I heard clearly that he is restoring a masterpiece that he created. He created you to be a masterpiece, and he is restoring, he is removing layers, just like when they take a work of art and they use all kinds of different chemicals and they know exactly what they're doing not to destroy this, this wonderful, expensive, valuable piece of art. And what he's doing in you, he's, he's not, he's the master restorer. He's, he's bringing restoration and he's removing layer by layer so gently, so carefully not to destroy. He's not going to crush. He's not going to destroy. He's going to gracefully restore layer upon layer. And I, I feel like you're not just an ordinary print, that God says you are a masterpiece in his hands. And I, I felt like I, I heard your name was Sarah, and don't don't get freaked out. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or come up front or anything. But you know your name. You know what your name means, right? Princess. Yeah, yeah. You know your name means princess, but it also can mean like an influencer, a, a noble person of authority. And I felt like I heard God say trailblazer, like you're a trailblazer, and He wants to use your life in a powerful way to bring. Whatever it is that is in heaven that you're going to tap into, he's going to give you ideas. He's going to give you blueprints, wisdom, pictures, ideas. Whatever it is that's the passion of your heart that you are being drawn into, into your future, whatever that profession might be, that, he, that you have that, that dream in your heart, he is the author of that dream. I believe he's the author of that dream. And, and as you learn how to, to tap into his kingdom, tap into to heaven, that he is going to breathe life and acceleration on what he's doing in your life. That you are a trailblazer. You are a leader. You were born to be a powerful leader. 
So I, I bless you with that. I hope that doesn't freak you out. Is, are you good? Is that okay? You receive it? Okay. So that, that's all I'm going to say. I won't, won't go any, any deeper than that. But I just, I just felt like you needed to know you are significant. You know, your life is significant. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, we're going to just do a little transition. Tammy and I are going to join you in the seated position. <clears throat> I don't need to hold this. It's actually loud enough to capture anything. Um, you know, amazingly, last week we were able to, to make it through one chapter of, Ephes of uh, Ephesians. One chapter of the book of Hebrews. We made it through chapter one. And uh, I just feel like, you know, there's, there's such a grace tonight. God, God has done what he wants to do on the hands-on part, although there could be more. I'm not saying that he's done, and then this is like the leftovers. I feel like the icing on the cake is his word. The word of God is living and active. The Bible says in Hebrews, actually we'll get to it hopefully in a few weeks, Hebrews chapter 4 says that the, the word of God is living and active. It is alive. When you hold that Bible in your hands, that, the words of life that are in that book are alive. They're living and they're active. Like they have power on them to create change, to break things loose, to release life into a person as those words come in. The Word of God is living and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. So that means it's a weapon. The word of God is a weapon. He wants to put his word in your hand as the written word of God, and he wants it to come out of your mouth. He wants you to take his word as a weapon and speak. You know, when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness by the devil after fasting for 40 days, he's probably pretty vulnerable, wouldn't you think, having not eaten any food for 40 days. And then the devil came to him and began to tempt him and, and target him. And what did Jesus do? He didn't just think his way out. He didn't just think, well, okay, I know the truth, so this isn't going to bother me. No, he spoke. He spoke his way out of that temptation. He declared in the, into the face of the enemy the word of God. The word of God is living and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It cuts, it penetrates, and it divides. Things as finely put, into, put together as joints and marrow. It, the Bible says in Hebrews, it judges. The word of God judges the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. So if you're ever wondering, questioning, God, is my heart right with you? I'm pretty sure he'll tell you. Like, he'll, he'll give you an answer if you listen, if you learn how to hear him. But if you're not sure, open up the word of God because it's like a mirror. The, the written word of God is a mirror, and it will expose to you the things that need change. But one thing I, I can promise you God is not an overburdening, overbearing taskmaster. He does not criticize you and look for every weakness and failure that you have in your life. He is a good, good father. Before any other relationship he has with you, he wants you to know that he wants to, you to know him as father, as papa God, daddy God, because he made you. He, he formed you in your mother. He is the one who designed you. He's your dad. He's your maker and your creator, and he's your father. That is the title. That is the relationship that he wants to have with you as a son, as a daughter to the father. And it's all because of Jesus. 
It's all because Jesus, our Lord, stepped down from his throne as the one and only Son of God, forever the Son of God in heaven, became the Son of Man on the earth in the, in the form of Jesus, in the, in the flesh and blood body of King Jesus, to lay down his life so that he could taste death for you and me, that he could take away the penalty of sin for you and me, and he could restore us to a right relationship with God the Father. No man, no woman can come to the Father except through Jesus, the Bible tells us. Jesus said, no one can come to, come to me, Jesus, unless the Father draws them. There's this relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit that is at work in your life and in my life. He's drawing people to Jesus, and that when they come to Jesus, when we come to Jesus, we receive him and we become re into an intimate relationship with him, becoming one with him in spirit, and we are, we are welcomed into a relationship with his father. It's, it's wonderful, it's beautiful. You're not an orphan. I just come against that orphan heart that tries to get on you and me. We are not orphans, we are not alone. You will never be alone. <laughs> it blows my mind. You think you're alone in the car, he's with you, he's right there. People used to say, well, you know, your grandparents are up in heaven watching you. And that's kind of creepy. I don't know if I want them to be watching me. <laughs> I, can, I can handle God because he knows. He knows. He doesn't, he doesn't look for my failures and weaknesses. And he doesn't look for yours. He is bent on raising you up as one of his beloved sons or daughters. That he could, he could raise you up and teach you how to walk and run with him and become a mature son or daughter of God. You guys good? Okay, that was a little bit of a just kind of going off the cuff there flow, but we're going to do this. Hebrews chapter 2. There we go. <laughs> Jill's going to do the, the drama music in the background. That's right. <laughs> so this, again, is just from the uh, footnotes, but this is what it's, the whole book of Hebrews sums it up as this to turn my phone. I'll just read it with you guys off the screen. Because our royal priest, Jesus, gave his sacred blood for us, we now have unrestricted access to the holiest place of all. With no veil and nothing hindering our intimacy with God, we can come with boldness to his mercy throne. Don't forget, it's a mercy throne where we encounter enough grace to empower us through every difficulty. We find our true life in his presence. So this is what it's all about. He's welcoming us into his presence to come to know him, to come receive life because that is what you were born for. You and I were born to live a life that is full and free and powerful. Amen. So here we go. Hebrews chapter two, verse one. This is why it's so crucial. Pause for a second, guys. Read first chapter of Hebrews on your own time. Don't try to do it right now because that could get messy. We do want to go forward in chapter two. But basically, this is, you know, the, the Bible was not broken up into chapters and verses when it was written. Those were added later so that we could find certain places and addresses in the Bible quickly. So chapter two starts out with this is why, but it's a continuation of chapter one. <clears throat> and in chapter one, it was made clear to us that Jesus is God that he is the exact expression of God in the flesh. 
So Jesus is perfect theology. Everything you and I need to know about God is found in Jesus. He is the creator, we learned. He is he made the world. He created the world and everything that we see. And everything, it, it told us that everything in this world is held together by the power of his spoken word. That means when you're in science class as a kid and you're seeing atoms, you know, everything, when you break it all down, it all is made out of atoms, molecules and atoms. It is all held together by the power of the word of God, by Jesus' will and spoken word. He spoke the creation into existence, and it is still held together at this very moment by his word. And if at any moment he chose to undo it all, like a vapor, we're gone. But he has a plan. So, chapter 2. And if at any time this beautiful lady next to me needs to interrupt and add something, please do, okay? Okay. So this is why, this is why, and we did learn about angels, and they are important, but... Jesus is not on the same level as an angel. Jesus is creator. Angels are created. But they are important because they are sent to help us. They are winds and flames of fire to assist us, to us who receive salvation. So this is why it is so crucial that we be all the more engaged and attentive to the truths that we have heard so that we do not drift off course. For if the message of the law spoken and confirmed by angels brought a just penalty to every disobedient violation that's in the Old Testament recorded then how would we expect to escape punishment if we despise the very truths that give us life so this would be considered a warning a scriptural warning and there are six warnings in the book of Hebrews this warning we can just look at it here chapter 2 verses 1 through 4 we are warned not to drift away it makes pretty much good perfect sense to me that we don't just say a prayer and ask Jesus to come into our lives and then live life however we want and just live up the sinful lifestyle and be no different than anyone else that's not what he saved us for he saved us to, to have a relationship with him so that he could transform our lives when you are in Christ when you receive Jesus you are a new creation. The Bible says, behold, all things are gone and the new has come. You've received a seed, this, this uh, imperishable seed of the word of God. It's like the seed of God, like a, when a husband impregnates the wife, the seed of God comes into your body, into your spirit, causes you to be born again, born anew, this new creation never to have exi existed yet up to that point. Now you're this newborn baby, Christian. And God is set on taking care of that baby, that baby of who you are, and forming you and maturing you and nurturing you and training and equipping you to become just like Jesus. So that's why we're warned, don't drift away. We don't wanna, we wanna look at the, the stories of the Old Testament and see what the dangers of drifting away but I believe good things for us. I believe good things for you that you're not here as one who's going to drift away. You might have drifted in the past, but God is putting you and me on a new journey right now. Yeah, All right, so we're warned not to drift away from the power of our great salvation. <clears throat> Chapter three and four, we're gonna see that we're warned about failing to enter the faith rest life. It's a lifestyle of resting by faith in the finished work of Christ. If you go out of that rest, 
you go into works. You try to gain your inheritance by working for it and earning it and trying to be good enough. But God has invited you and me through the finished work of Jesus to enter into the rest that Jesus provided. The failure of the Israelites in the wilderness is our example. Chapter 5 and 6, we're warned to be devoted to the full assurance of our hope until the end. So this is something God has called us to hold fast to him. He is our hope, and, and our hope in him is like an anchor, it says, that goes beyond the veil. It goes from this reality into the heavenly reality that is more real than this earthly experience we're having right at this moment. He is like an anchor, and he takes us into that, that heavenly realm of the kingdom of God. And we are, we are told in Hebrews to hold fast until the end. No matter what th is thrown at us in this life, to hold fast until the end. Chapter 10, we're warned of not sinning willfully after we have received the truth. Pretty much says all we need to know. We shouldn't willfully, you know, grace is not a license to sin. You don't get your driver's license and think, okay, I got my driver's license. That means I can go 120 miles an hour in a 30 mile an hour zone. No, that's... That's breaking the law. That's not why you were given that license. You were given a license to be a responsible driver and not kill people on the road. Well, you can be just as irresponsible with your, your gift of salvation. You can take the grace of God and run people over with it by a, cr a crummy? I'll say crummy. I'll be a little bit polite. I'll just say it. A crappy lifestyle. Bad choices. We don't want to make bad choices and run people over in our lives. We need to hold fast to Jesus and take seriously what he's called us into and rest in him. You are going to have moments of weakness. I promise you, you're going to have moments where you're, you're going to experience a moment of imperfection. It's okay. He has grace for you to bounce back up. But again, the grace is not there as a license to just keep going the opposite direction. He wants you to walk with him. We'll just leave it at that. Chapter 12, uh, the fifth warning we're given the warning of God's correction as our faithful father. That's not as a scary as a warning, but, but you should take that serious. As a father, and you as a son or a daughter, he's going to bring discipline into our lives. He's going to correct us. I don't know what that might look like for you. I kind of know what it looks like for me. And we'll just move on from there. <laughs> Chapter 12, we are warned not to close our hearts to the voice of the one who speaks from heaven. Today, if you hear his voice, do not turn from him. Don't harden your heart. He is all about intimacy, personal relationship with you and me. He wants you to know his voice and follow him and walk with him and know his kindness, know his compassion, know his gentleness as he guides you in life and picks you up when you fall down. He's such a good dad. But there's the ability to turn off his voice. You can actually say, God, I don't want to listen to you. I'm going my own way. And that's something that Hebrews will warn us about. So, y'all good? You learn what the warnings are? Take notes if you want to, or take a screenshot of that, or just like, oh, I don't want to focus on the warnings. Give me the good news. What's the good news? Well, the warnings are kind of good news, too, because God's got your back. The Lord himself was the first to announce these things, and those who heard him firsthand confirmed their accuracy. Verse 4, then God added his witness to theirs. He validated their ministry with signs, astonishing wonders, 
all kinds of powerful miracles and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which he distributed as he desired. I hate to say it, it's sad to say, that in the church world these days, there are many um, groups or factions of the body of Christ that don't believe in signs, miracles, and wonders. They don't really believe that the Holy Spirit distributes gifts today still. But we would be considered a whole Bible people. We find no evidence in the scriptures that those things ceased. So let's look at a little footnote on that verse about the signs, miracles, and wonders, and the gifts being distributed. So this is me cheating. I'm using someone else's teaching notes to, to teach myself and you. <clears throat> signs, wonders, and miracles were all components of the ministries of the New Testament believer. There's no place in scripture to indicate that any of the works of Jesus or his apostles should not be seen today. Um, John 14, 12 is probably one of my favorite ones because Jesus said that the works you see me do, even greater things than these shall you yeah, do because yeah. I am going to the Father. Yeah. So now you could say, well, he was talking to the apostles. He was just talking to his disciples. Well, he said in Mark chapter 16 that as the good news of the gospel is advanced, as is preached, that these signs will follow. They will cast out demons. They will heal the sick. They will raise the dead. They will cleanse lepers of their leprosy. They will drink deadly poisons. So if you've gotten the jab, don't worry. God's got your back. You, could, you can take a deadly poison. Maybe you weren't sure if it was bad or not. Maybe you're still not sure. I'm not sure. But one thing I can know for sure is if I do inject something into my body from a doctor or if I eat something that's not settling right, I know that the Bible says that I could actually receive deadly poison into my body and not be killed. Paul, the apostle in the book of Acts, had a snake, a venomous snake, jump out of a bonfire, latch onto his hand, and all the people were like, oh, crud. He's going to die right in front of us. And what did he do? He took the stick and shook it into the bonfire, and he continued preaching. That is faith in the one who preserves your body from poison. And then they began to worship him and thinking he was a god. It was so stupid. I don't know why they would think that. But I mean, you know, supernatural activity happening. That's what we, did. we tend to do as, as humans. We tend to idolize the person, the man of God, God's... Uh, yeah, the man of God, man of power, full of paste and flour, something like that. <laughs> so there's, there's a whole bunch of scriptures you could look up, Acts 2, all of that, Romans 15, 19, 2 Corinthians, Galatians. You could do a little Bible study on your own. You guys all know how to Google these days. You can look up pretty much anything through the Google Meister. <clears throat> Distributions of the Holy Spirit. So God distributes gifts by the Holy Spirit. He decides how he wants to distribute. He's a good dad, and he's got a bunch of presents, and he wants to give them to his sons and daughters as he chooses. So don't worry about what someone else has. Find out what he's given you. Distributions of the Holy Spirit. The Greek word distribution is often used for dividing an inheritance. So you and I have received an inheritance. Jesus paid the price on the cross that you and I would have an inheritance, this, the riches of the kingdom of God that would be made accessible to you and I. Read Ephesians chapter one, just kind of slowly pick through there. We have received an inheritance from Jesus. He paid on the cross a price that you and I would have access to more than just forgiveness of sins and hope of heaven someday. We have access to miracles, signs, wonders, 
healing, uh, supernatural encounters with God. The list goes on. The word gifts is implied in the text and made explicit. Okay, I'm not sure exactly what that was about, but you'd have to go back and read it again. Let's continue on then. Verse 6 says, For God will not place the coming world of which we speak under the government of angels. But the scriptures affirm, What is man that you would even think about him or care about Adam's race? You made him a little lower than the angels for a little while. You placed your glory and honor upon his head as a crown, and you have given him dominion over the works of your hands, for you have placed everything under his authority. Now, we know that this is talking about Jesus, but there is some reference to us as well because we are in Christ. Our lives are in Jesus. We are hidden in Christ. So let's look at the footnotes. Anytime you see a highlighted part in the actual scriptures, it's because there's a footnote. So here's the footnote. And that is actually a quote from Psalm chapter 8, verses 4 through 6. The translator of the Passion Translation, when he was, was going to the different texts, he referenced the Aramaic, the Septuagint, the, the original Hebrew and Greek texts, balancing them, looking at them, and came up with the Passion Translation. The Aramaic can be translated, who is man that you would give, him a, give a thought toward him? for whom the Son of Man should be pledged to be offered for them. So in a sense, we could apply that scripture to us. What is, who are we that God would think of us, that he would be mindful of us? He made us a little lower than the angels, yet he has crowned us with authority. So the phrase Son of Man is used in the New Testament consistently for Jesus Christ, the Son of Man. The Hebrew text of Psalm 8 refers to man being made a little lower than Elohim. For some reason, they, they translate it as angels. I had to look at the blue letter translation. There's an app you can do. It'll take you back to the Hebrew and Greek. It's interesting that it was translated angels. He made them a little lower than the angels, but the word in Psalm 8 is actually the Elohim, the same word for in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God is the word Elohim. Interesting, which can also mean mighty angels. This seemed to be a problem to the translators of the Septuagint, so they rendered it lower than angels. Hebrews seems to closely follow the Septuagint. However, the Greek text of Hebrews changes the quotation to read a little while lower. I'll just let you guys think on that. Go into it, study it a little on your own. You can read all these footnotes on your own, and there's others that I didn't include. But it's just interesting. You know, we did a class last quarter on the, the hosting the presence of God. And we learned that Adam and Eve, well, actually, we're going to learn about that right here. I guess I have it on here. Verse 8, for you have placed everything under his authority. Footnote, or you subjected all things under his feet. The command given to both Adam and Eve to take dominion, Genesis 1.28, has never been rescinded. This is important. If you guys don't walk away with anything else other than that God loves you so much and he's passionate about you and he's your father, okay, there's a lot of things we've thrown out at you. Take this one. Through the teaching time, take this home with you. God had given Adam and Eve dominion over the earth. When they sinned against God, they basically traded their 
submission from God to the enemy. And they gave their authority to the devil when they did that. But God never took away the command to you and I, sons of Adam and Eve, to take dominion over the earth. In fact, Romans tells us that we were born, that we were saved in, through Christ, that we would rule and reign in life, that we would take dominion over the things that the enemy has, has brought into the world. Anyway, where was I at on the notes? But yeah, Genesis 1.28 has never been rescinded. The planet will one day be under the rulership of men and women who are under the rulership of Christ. You can do a whole study on that. The Bible talks about how, don't you know, Paul said, that you and I will judge angels? Wrap your mind around that. I don't know what we're going to judge them over. Maybe how they didn't, they, they weren't there when they were supposed to be there to protect you from something bad. I don't know. be interesting to find out. What I do know is we each have angels that protect and watch over us. So don't be rude to them. Don't, don't do dumb stuff to make them be like, how long, God, are we going to put up with this person? I don't know. Just, just think about it for a while. I mean, you should be thinking about God first more than anything because he sees it all too. But they've been sent and in, in placed in charge to watch over you and to protect you. And as some of us have heard the story of our daughter, Glitch, her angel, moved her from one spot to another in the flash of a moment, and it was witnessed by another young person on his motorcycle as she was ready to go over a cliff, and she screamed, no, and she stopped, and Glitch came in to save the day. But anyway, she could tell you about that herself. <clears throat> okay, we're going to make it through this. I have faith. This means that God has left nothing outside the control of his son. Even if we presently, even if presently, we have yet to see this accomplished, but we see Jesus, who as a man lived for a short time lower than the angels and has now been crowned with glorious honor because of what he suffered in his death. For it was by God's grace that he experienced death's bitterness on behalf of everyone. Jesus Christ, our King, has tasted death on your behalf. He died in your place so that you don't have to go on to an eternal death. For now, Jesus, he towers above all creation. For all things exist through him and for him. And that God made him pioneer of our salvation, perfect through his sufferings. For this is how he brings many sons and daughters to share in his glory. Jesus, the Holy One, makes us holy. I'm going to repeat that. Jesus, the Holy One, makes us holy. You don't have to try to do it on your own. He makes you holy. He does the work in you. Just yield to him. He makes us holy. <clears throat> Excuse me. And as sons and daughters, we now belong to his same father. So he's not ashamed or embarrassed to introduce us as his brothers and sisters. I know it might feel weird to think about this and say it, but Jesus is your brother. Sorry, Cheryl. I know you're like, but no, but you're my brother. Jesus is your brother, capital B. He's not ashamed to be identified with you and me as his siblings, as his brothers and sisters. I'm not saying he is less than God because he is creator. We learned that. We dro drove it home in chapter one. He is the creator. He made this creation. All things are held together by him. 
and nothing exists that doesn't exist for him and through him. So he is creator, but he's not ashamed or embarrassed to call you and I brother or sister. He's like, Cheryl, you're my sister. Yes, I'm your king, but I'm your king and capital B brother. It's, I don't know. I had a hard time wrapping my mind around calling God father. I've gotten used to it. I've learned to know that he does actually father me because that's who he is. It's easy to start out with just Jesus, just me and Jesus, but that father, I just don't know how to relate because I have experiences with my earthly father maybe that were negative and just I can't connect. Then he heals that and then you connect. And now he wants to heal this, this thing inside of us where we think of ourselves too lowly. Now I'm not saying that humility is a bad thing because humility is good. But when, what was that false what? self-righteousness and false humility that was I was looking for the false humility we couldn't figure it out the one night we can take our own personal humility lower than God wants you to you can create false humility you can say but I'm just a sinner isn't that what the Bible says I'm just a sinner saved by grace you know the only time that the identity of sinner was spoken in the New Testament towards anyone in the church was Paul talking about himself admitting that he was the chief of sinners but that is not the identity that God has given his sons and daughters. He does not call you sinner. He calls you saint. He calls you son. He calls you daughter. He calls you beloved. Kings and priests. Ambassadors. Warriors. <laughs> if you believe that you're a sinner, and that's all you believe you are, it's just a sinner, you're going to sin by faith. If that's what your faith is in, is your identity is just a sinner, just a worm, then you're going to live up to that expectation of what you believe about yourself. So anyway, let's move on. You could just kind of say law, meditate on that for a moment. <laughs> He's not ashamed to introduce us as brothers and sisters. He said, I will reveal who you really are to my brothers and sisters, and I will glorify you with praises in the midst of the congregation. <clears throat> We're just about done, you guys. And my confidence rests in God. And again, he says, here I am, one with the children Yahweh has given me. I'd go into the Yahweh thing, but we sang about it. I thought, there's probably people in here tonight that are like, are we in a Christian church? We're singing to Yahweh. Yahweh is the Old Testament name for God. So we can go into that another time. Jesus' name means Yahweh is salvation. So here's the end of it. I didn't have a lot of footnotes for the second half. So let's just chew on the word. It's just, this will be the juicy morsel of the feast as we finish up. Remember, the word of God is powerful. Receive it tonight. Since all his children have flesh and blood, so Jesus became human to fully identify with us. He did this so that he could experience death and annihilate the effects of the intimidating accuser we all know who that is, who holds against us the power of death. By embracing death, Jesus sets free those who live their entire lives in bondage to the tormenting dread of death. For it is clear that he didn't do this for the angels, but for all the sons and daughters of Abraham. This is why he had to be made, excuse me, I'm thinking NIV, this is why he had to be a man and take hold of our humanity in every way. 
he made us his brothers and sisters and became our merciful and faithful king-priest before God. As the one who removed our sins to make us one with him, he suffered and endured every test and temptation so that he can help us every time we pass through the ordeals of life. Jesus was tempted in every way, just as you and I are tempted, yet he never sinned. He had to be made a human being just like you and I so that he could become the substitute. He could become the one who could stand in our place. God himself became a human being so that he could be the ultimate sacrificial lamb, the only pure spotless lamb in, in all of the sons and daughters of earth, the only one who could stand as the atonement for our sins because he was without sin. Yet he knows how to sympathize with you. He knows how to under, he understands your weakness. He understands the weird things that we think, the things that don't make, you know, if, if someone knew the, the thoughts inside of your head and you'd be like, thank God they don't. Thank God no one in here is a mind reader because that's just a gift of the devil, right? Prophecy, on the other hand, is different. But God will not give prophetic words to tear you down with hopelessness. If someone prophesies something over you, that God's heart is that you would feel the kiss of heaven and that you would know how he thinks of you. It doesn't mean that you won't hear from God a warning. We know that the book of Hebrews has six warnings that we'll focus on. If you do get a warning in a prophetic word, there should be grace accompanied with it, grace and, and empowerment to step up and, and rise up into all that God has called you into. So why don't we stand? We made it. It's 8 o'clock. I don't know. I feel kind of weird. It's like we actually made it through a second chapter of the Bible. I'm trying. You guys are, are witnessing God changing me and, and helping, you know, fine-tune me. Just like oh, i got to watch you guys get fine-tuned as well. You aren't born... Uh, preacher of preachers it's just you know I mean some people have some gifts like that but sometimes it just takes time you gotta learn how to shut up and stay on track thank you she knows my love language is words of affirmation so what's your love language so let's just put our hands out we just put our hands up before him yeah we just say father just just call him father would you Abba, Father, Papa God, we just say we love you tonight. We love you, Lord. We love you, God. We thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. You are our king. You are everything. Our lives without you are empty. There is nothing that we can do apart from you. You are everything to us, King Jesus. And we are amazed tonight that you call, you're not even ashamed or embarrassed to call us brothers and sisters, even the stuff that we do when no one else can see, but we know you see, yet you're not ashamed, you're not embarrassed because you have made provision. You are the one who has made us holy. And we find rest in that tonight. We find our comfort and our security in the fact that you have made us holy. We rest in the finished work of the cross tonight. We 
we just find our security, our comfort, our identity in you. Holy Spirit, tonight, we just welcome you. We welcome you. We welcomed you at the beginning and we're welcoming you at the end. We're asking you, Lord, just to come and have your way. That as we, as we leave this place tonight, that you would continue the work in us. You're, you promised us that you would complete the work that you've begun in each of us, but we welcome it. We say, Jesus, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way in us. Have your way. Where we're struggling, where we are in chains or bondage, we welcome you to come tonight and just break those chains. The power of the name of Jesus. You are the chain-breaking king. You are our rescuer. We welcome you tonight to come and break off break off any hook that the enemy has placed in us. We repent. We turn to you, Lord. We repent. We fix our eyes on you, King Jesus. You are the author and finisher of our faith. You are the one who for the joy set before you endured the cross for us that we could be set free. We'll never forget what you've done for us, Lord forever worship you. We are your worshipers. We are your children.